Hi, this is Mary, and thank you for joining me for the Mary Elizabeth Speaks podcast. When we left off, we started a discussion about the potential signs of an abuser, and we only got down to number nine when it talked about codependency. And I think codependency is such a huge issue that we will go ahead and elaborate on that just a little more. Um, I really took the time to meditate on the list and there were a couple of things that really jumped out to me. So my highlights were being extremely loyal and remaining in harmful situations and unhealthy relationships too long, overdoing it and overgiving to the point where you are exhausted. Now, everyone has an internal need to feel needed, especially when it comes to the relationships in our lives. But if we really think about it, people who are very toxic always come across as people who are very needy. And if you have become a person who is super motivated and focused on finding someone who needs you, meeting someone who is not good for you, unhealthy for you, toxic for you, is going to look like a need. And your fight to fulfill their needs is going to feel and look like love to you when that's just not the case. It's just the fact that you are trying to fulfill a need that you have and you're trying to fill that need in any way that you can. I remember saying that I just wanted to be the best person that I can be, even if I'm surrounded by people who are broken and people who are toxic. So if I'm being the best person that I can be, then I will just love and help um, and and really just disregard how I feel on the inside because It's so rewarding and really ego-driven to receive accolades and thank yous and I love yous from people who are just sucking you dry of all of your energy and your resources and your emotions. And that's really tragic, but that's why we have to really begin to understand ourselves and understand where we are in life. 
So where does codependency stem from? It is or it can be different for everybody, but most of the time, all of our issues will begin at some point in our childhood. Um, As a parent, you realize or if you're trying to parent, you're pretty much just doing the best that you can. And some of the behaviors, if not all of the behaviors, are a reflection of how you were raised by your parents. And if the parent-child relationship was a broken one, as you get older, you keep telling yourself that you're not going to be your parents. You're not, or your parents. You're not going to do all the things that you saw as negative and harmful. But a lot of times when you say that that's not what you're going to do, you find yourself doing those things and you don't realize it until you start to reap the consequences of what you have done. So children who grow up in dysfunctional families do become codependent adults. And when I say you grow up in families, you may have one parent, you may have two parents, you may have been... um, raised by a grandparent or a aunt and uncle or something like that depending on the situation but there was always going to be somebody that you can immediately think about as a child who you were attached to or who you looked up to that was unsupportive. Um, That person may have been very dismissive and didn't accept or acknowledge any issues that you may be having or may have had. They may have been emotionally unavailable. They may have been physically unavailable. I know that for me as a single parent, I spent a lot of time emotionally unavailable because I was struggling mentally to just be okay for myself. And when you're struggling to be okay for yourself, even when you try, it's hard to be or come across emotionally available for your children. Um... You may be okay for a while, but eventually you will run out of steam. Um, You can be physically unavailable. I worked all the time. A lot of times I worked multiple jobs, but if I didn't work all the time, then who was going to pay the bills? Who was going to put food on the table? Um... When it's just you, 
you have to realize and acknowledge that you can't be more than one person. You can only be one person and you can only give what you can give. The old saying is that it takes a village to raise a child and it really does. But these days you don't have a village. And what do you do when you don't have a village? You just get up every morning and you muster up what other sh- whatever strength that you can muster up and you just keep going because you have to. You don't have a choice. So the adult in your life can be manipulative. They can be secretive. They can be very judgmental and have unrealistic expectations of you. I feel like I had a lot of unrealistic expectations for my children. Now, we're going to have lots of time to talk about surviving um your children surviving being a parent um, in later episodes. But I just felt like if I could be an A student and I could be someone who was always driven, always trying to put my best foot forward, as they say, that my children would automatically be that way. But that's not the case. Everybody has their own personality. And when you try to force fit who you are on your children or anybody else, it just becomes a dysfunctional situation. Um... Parents that aren't able to provide supportive or nurturing, um, stable home environments um, can cause you in it to become a people pleaser. You don't speak up. You don't disagree. Why? Because there are consequences to that. There's rejection that comes with that. You become a caretaker. If you have siblings and you only have one parent, and I know that this is the way it was for me, your oldest child... Um, has to kind of fill the role of the missing parent. They're cleaning and they're babysitting and they're cooking and they're doing all the things the missing adult should be there doing. And it becomes very stressful. And it causes a child to grow up too fast and emotionally be an adult 
instead of having the mind of a child and they miss out on a lot. You realize when you are in that type of environment that the people who claim to love you are also the people that will hurt you. You may have abandonment issues. You may feel like you are lied to a lot. You may have been physically or emotionally hurt by a parent. Um, You will struggle with having boundaries. (laughs) Setting those boundaries. Because if you never experienced what it looks like to have a caregiver who had healthy boundaries, if they were too hard on you because the stress of life was just too much and they expected too much from you, you will start to view yourself as someone who isn't strong enough or who is weak because that's the way that they're going to or or that's the way they made you feel. Um, You can grow up feeling guilty about everything because you can't fix anything. And it's illogical for a child to worry about fixing what's going on in a family dynamic when they're the child. Um, You'll grow up not trusting people and because you don't trust people, you won't let people help you because you always feel that they're going to drop the ball. They're never going to do it right. They're never going to follow through when they say that they're going to do something. Um, You will end up feeling alone a lot. And I know that is the theme of my life. Um, You feel alone even when you're in a room full of people. Because emotionally, you're very isolated. But the crazy thing about it, and I think my aha moment came when I read that it actually leads to you becoming controlling. So how does that happen when you are so broken and vulnerable and you feel internally helpless? How do you become that person? And I think that the easiest example is like when you work on a job and 
you've been there long enough to know a lot about your manager's life. Your manager's life is not that great. They have a bad home situation. Their children are out of control. They are dealing with issues with being a caretaker for one or both parents. But when they come to work and they're supposed to be managing all of the workers, they're very rigid. They they are always abrasive with the staff. They always want to have the last word and make sure they're always telling everybody else what to do and how to do it. That's kind of how all of these feelings of helplessness and brokenness become an action of control. So guess what? The highlight of all of this is that we can heal. We can change. Um, And it only takes a few steps and a little effort. So step one of healing from codependency is becoming aware and understanding. So the best way to do that is just to listen to those characteristics a couple of times, maybe write the most important ones that you know you exhibit down and understand where it started. You can go back to your childhood. You can go back to your teenage years and just keep meditating until you figure out exactly where it started. Um, Figure out what triggers your codependency. Because a lot of times, if you really examine it, we don't have codependent relationships with all of the people in our lives. There's usually just one or two. You have to decide that you're not going to beat yourself up and feel guilty about where you are. You're just going to be aware of where you are and accept it. So... What does that look like? You can make a list. This is where I am in life. This is where I want to be. So what is it going to take for me to go from person A to person B? And then take the appropriate action. A lot of times that action is just going to be to set boundaries. Start going places by yourself. Start having a voice and speaking up. Do things that you know are going to make you happy 
and learn to say no. And I think that that's probably one of the hardest things that I had to learn how to do. Learn to say no to people. Just because somebody wants something from you doesn't mean that you have to say yes every time. You are in control of your own decisions. And you don't have to live a life of fear where you're always going to be worried about the next person's reaction to your decision. Whatever their reaction is, let them just react. You are important to you. If you are not important to you, you have to become important enough to you to start saying no to people. And also, like, it was weird when I started going to do things by myself. I think um, (laughs) the first time I went to the movies by myself, I went to buy my ticket and... They asked me just one in a very judgmental way. And I felt very, very subconscious. And I started to judge myself and feel bad about it. And then, you know, I just went ahead and said, yes, it's just me. I don't have to go to the movies with somebody. I came here because I wanted to see this movie. Thank you. (laughs) Um... Or going out to eat by yourself. Like when you go in, they ask you how many people and you're just like one. And they sometimes look at you like you don't have any friends. Nobody wants to hang out with you. Why are you coming to eat by yourself? But once you do it a couple of times, you start to feel very empowered or at least I did. And I would love to hear your stories about working on healing from codependency. Make sure you email me at maryelizabethspeaks at gmail.com. Okay, let's take a break from all of the self-reflection and I'm going to do a book reading from Her Soul Cries. This one was super fun to write. I essentially just let my alter ego take over and I just went with the flow. A letter by Miss Promiscuous. To whom it may concern. Wait, (laughs) to you. Wait, dear? No, (laughs) I better not go that route. Somebody may just get into some trouble. (laughs) Okay, I was right the first time. To whom it may concern, to the world, to the masses. I can't see you, but I know you are getting nervous. Opening this letter, discovering that it's from me. (laughs) Not knowing if anyone saw it first or If someone is standing near now, asking you all kinds of questions about its sender. (laughs) Let's just take a brief moment to simply breathe. One, two, three, inhale. 
One, two, three, exhale. Better? <laughs> I can still feel your tension. Why? Don't you love me anymore? Don't you need me anymore? Don't you miss me? <laughs> I forgot. I just saw you last night. Why am I making you so nervous? Especially when you created me. Why am I writing you a letter? Because I, f my bad, <laughs> I'm going to keep this one clean. We do enough dirty things together that go without words. Even though it's a possibility, you can be relieved that I'm not writing about an unplanned pregnancy or some STD or anything of that nature. I just have some things to say and you are going to listen. I wonder what your little wifey or girlfriend or your boyfriend would say only if they knew about me. And don't be naive. They know. They all know. They are just too afraid to say anything. They are afraid of what they fear being true. They are afraid of being alone. Sad, isn't it? <laughs> and don't you know that that is what I like. You see, I'm never alone, yet I'm always alone, yet I know where I stand. And I am not the one fretting over your stupid little secrets. But if anyone finds out about the secrets we share, huh, you are so quick, so, so quick to act as if I am the villain or villainess calling me everything but my name. <laughs> Did you forget that I like that? They've been calling me things like that since I was a virgin. You should be more creative. Anyway, you're just a stupid little person. Did you seriously believe that I need you? Some of you give me nothing for the satisfaction I provide. Some of you give out small tokens of affection every now and then, while it only takes one or two that put their hearts into it to provide my every desire. Hmm. Minus real sexual satisfaction. You need me. Isn't that what you said? She nags and complains and doesn't listen to your heart, but how exactly are you speaking to and nurturing her? She isn't, shall I say, as adventurous as I am, but have you told her that you are the adventurous type? When was the last time you gave her the compliments that you give me or bought her the sexy things that you buy me? And she let herself go having your children? You beat her up with your tongue and because of your selfishness, she will never be the same. <laughs> Unless she decides to find someone new. Someone who gives her what she needs, emotionally first, sexually second, and third, she will be everything she used to be as well as gone. <laughs> Why are we doing this? Because I really don't have an answer. You keep calling and I keep letting you in. Why would I even want you? Even if I decided to settle down, you know, be a good girl, raise a family, 
I would only end up taking her place. I refuse to be unhappy. I refuse to allow you to treat me that way. I refuse to fall in love. Yes, is that not the real issue here? Fun, infatuation, baby carriage, love, marriage, misery. In whatever order that happens to fit each individual situation. (laughs) Nope, not me. I would rather create my own happiness. I will take it day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, moment by moment, at least it will be a constant flow. Unhappy, switch it up, happy face again. I know the disparity of a woman's heart and I know the greed of a man's. We're different. We want different things. We need different things to survive. Oh, don't get upset now because I know you inside and out. You let me in, remember? When you should have been giving yourself to her. I guess I really didn't want anything. I just needed to vent. I had a little free time on my hands and my girlfriend will be here in a minute. (laughs) Did you really think I was that into you? Were you reading the words of this letter carefully? You are just something I do to pass the time. (laughs) You know I still love you and I'll see you later tonight. Miss P. So, um, some people's mouths are open, but I assure you I am not a 304. Um, the entire point of this piece was to bring awareness to the fact that men cheat on their wives with women who really are an unnecessary decision. Um, if they would just put more time into their relationships, conversations, figuring out what's going on, they may be able to fix it. Um, and if it's not fixable, then why not just end the relationship? Why step out and bring somebody else into your circle and end up with a lot of drama (laughs) because that's what it sounds like she is just out here doing what she wants to do and it's a joke to her a lot of times when you have been abused you tend to have a season in your life where you are promiscuous because it's just another one of those things that you do to try to make yourself feel better. Um, Constant attention by different people in different ways. Um, 
again, from the book reading, you understand that this person is internally really hurt and working to camouflage how she really feels. But at the same time, part of what she's doing to camouflage how she really feels is to be very manipulative, not just with the individual that she wrote the letter to, but in acknowledging that there are others. And so if this is how she's behaving with him, this is how she's behaving with everybody. And so this piece is not to slut shame or anything like that. It's just to recognize that it's just another way that people behave in order to feel better. And instead of judging every person that comes across our paths, sometimes we should stop and instead have a conversation, talk to the person, find out who they really are, find out where they're hurting, just be a friendly face. Be the person that they can trust and just be a positive influence. It's just as simple as that. Da 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 da. Hey, I am back <laughs> after that fun little um, reading that we had. Um, we're going to get back to our list of potential signs of an abusive relationship. If you don't want to say the word abuse and you're still in denial, we will say that we are talking about the red flags that you are dating a jerk and you need to move on and do something different. Um, we left off at number 10, sexist beliefs about gender roles by abuser and gaslighting. I would consider that to be two different things. So if you are being fooled by someone, you don't recognize the fact that your partner, your spouse, your hu your husband, whatever, whatever you've got going on, your situationship, um, he pays the bills, you're at home. If you are at home, then you do all of the cooking, all of the cleaning, all of the care for the children, um... You take care of everything when there are guests at the house and your significant other is working and paying the bills. And in your mind, you feel like that's the way it should be. That is called being old fashioned. But no, when you are in a toxic relationship, he's paying the bills 
so that you'll be at home and he knows that you are at home. He knows that you aren't supposed to leave and be out in public. And if you are and you're out without his knowledge or his permission, there will be consequences to pay. Um, I did have to look up what the word gaslighting means. <laughs> so, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, if there's ever something that you come across when you're reading or when you're talking to somebody and they say a word and you don't really know what it means, there's no shame in asking, what does that mean? There's no shame in writing it down, sending yourself a text message and making a note and saying, when I get home, I'm going to look that up. So yes, I looked up the word gaslighting. It means to manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. Hmm. Ding, 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 ding. We talked about that before. Remember when I gave the example of my ex-husband moving my keys and my purse um, when I would come home and put everything down? And then when I would start to go through everything, search the house for my stuff. He would say that I never had it and I never came in and sat it there when actually he had moved my stuff. Now we know the term. The term for that kind of trickery is gaslighting. Number 11, financial control by abuser. It goes back to thinking that you're just being he's just being old-fashioned because he doesn't want me to work um he's saying that I can just be at home I have dated several men and um one of them told me that well not just one several men that were very financially well off um they all had a thing where they told me, well, once we get married, you know, I make plenty of money. You can just stay at home. Hmm. Well, I've never been one to not work. And I've never been one to sit around and stay in a house. Um, I'm, I've always been doing something since I was young. Uh, my parents would wake me su up super early every day to help out, clean up mow yards, um, help with putting a roof on, whatever it was, I've always been working. And especially when you're working professionally and they're like, just put in your notice. You've got me now. That is a red flag. That is financial control. Now, if he's saying, hey, you could stay at home and um, I'm going to give you all of this money so you can reach your dreams. You can go back to school and start a business. You can use this money for whatever it is that you want to use it for. That's a little bit different, people. Um, but you have to know what's going on. Check this person by the red flags. Number 12. Blaming the victim and trauma bonding. 
we're not going to talk about this one until um, the next segment because we're going to have to break down trauma bonding like we did codependency. So moving on to 13, abuse of children by abuser. Um, I don't know why victims think that an abuser is only going to stop at abusing them. More times than likely, they are abusing your children in a different way. Um, When you're not at home and you're not around, what type of verbal abuse are they experiencing? What type of physical abuse are they experience, uh, experiencing? Um, if you are not aware, and most of the time when you are a victim, you just can't see the things that are right in front of your face. Your children are usually being abused in some form or fashion. Number 14. Accusing the victim of perceived slights. So what is this thing, perceived slights? So what this means is like when a person um, tries to make you feel that you are neglecting them. For instance, um, when a man tells you, remember when we first got together? You were always cooking for me. You were always wearing sexy things for me. You were always doing things for me. You don't do any of those things anymore. You must not love me anymore. Why are you neglecting me? And you think about it and you're like, hmm, I don't do things like that anymore. Maybe I am neglecting this person. I need to do better. You will only think like that if you are a victim and you have a victim mentality. A lot of times in relationships, as time goes by, things do change. Um, Because when you start working together in a relationship, you're not focused on constant date night. And you're not focused on superficial things. Now, you have to work. You have children. They have to be taken care of. You have PTA. You have sports. You have all of these other things at play. And you have to work. In a healthy, functioning relationship, you have to work to continue things that you quote-unquote were doing when you first met sometimes you were doing things when you first met because you had a babysitter and now that you're in a long-term relationship you don't run out and get babysitters to have constant date nights every friday or saturday you might not can afford it anymore um but when you're dating have to have a babysitter if you have children in order to go out and date someone so just be mindful of 
the manipulation, the wordplay. Um, and make sure that if you do have people in your life that you trust and you talk to and they're telling you what's going on, that you really start to listen and don't get mad. Don't start saying, oh, they're just jealous. They are not jealous. Um, they And you are just denial. So 15, controlling the the attire of the victim. Oh my. So (laughs) I've been engaged about four or five times. Besides being married, I have lots of good, great, funny stories for you. But there was one guy in particular, after I told him I would marry him and had a ring, which I gave back after 30 days, um, (laughs) told me that from now on I had to start covering my hair and from now on I couldn't wear my stretch pants anymore and from now on I couldn't wear my jeggings and from now on I should not wear open-toed shoes and from now on I shouldn't go get a hair weave. And from now on, and the list just started going on and on and on. I have no idea who I am. If you think that I'm going to change because you are telling me to change, that is not a relationship at all. Um, If a person basically is not accepting you for who you are, then and they're telling you, all the things that are wrong with you, then ding, 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 red flag. Let's look at the next thing on the list. Um, Demeaning behaviors and attitude toward the victim. So what is a demeaning behavior? Um, Remember what movie what movie was that? Um coming to America, he tells the girl to start barking like a dog and she just started barking like a dog and never stopped. Well, you know, those type of behaviors are different. Um they present themselves in different ways, but if your partner is asking you to do things and they may be sexual things that you are uncomfortable with, um, you have a problem. Publicly shaming the victim, that can be as simple as you're in public, you're at a dinner, your friends or his family is over and he's saying ugly things about how you're dressed or he's saying ugly things about something that you did that was very private um that is what publicly shaming is let's see 18 we've got harassment of the victim publicly um someone can publicly shame you by making a statement And it can be something ugly and sarcastic, but harassment is something that is continuous and goes on and on and on and on. Um, 
somebody says something very negative and you could like or other people could actually look over that and not say anything but if he gets no attention from it and he keeps saying it over and over and throwing it in over and over and doesn't stop that's harassment number 19 this is the number one thing that um, people define as abuse bruises on the body black eyes bleeding cuts lacerations broken bones um those are the physical things the things that you can see but the thing about bruises and cuts and black eyes and scratches um they heal it is much, 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 much harder to heal emotionally from an abusive relationship than the time it takes for your body to heal. So if you are already in the process of healing, then don't beat yourself up because it's taking a long time. Um, healing and what I call or phrase uh, reprogramming is daily. It's weekly. It's monthly. It's yearly. Um, constantly working to react differently. Um, constantly working to have your boundaries and stick to them constantly working to not take it too far Um, and when I say that I mean meeting new people later and just assuming that they're a reflection of the abusive relationship that you came out of um We'll have to do a whole different podcast on that because it is something that is just, um, it's hard not to do actually, because once you're in the self-protection mode, you stay in that mode and you're always watching and you're always on red alert for any sign of a problem. And if there is a sign that presents itself, then guess what? You're out of there. Um, Why? Because you won't be hurt again and you won't find yourself in a bad situation again. But it's okay. Um, Like I said, all of this takes time. So I would rather you be in a state of mind where you're overprotective of yourself than not protecting yourself. Because we get really overprotective of ourselves because another thing is that we feel like we've never been protected by anyone. And of course, that's another thing that we have to talk about because I definitely um, 
spend a lot of time with that mentality. Let's see. Number 20, the victim displays rapid changes in behavior. Okay, we talked about the abuser being bipolar. Well, if you really examine your own behavior, you'll realize that you come across a little bipolar too. Why? Because you've learned to be very guarded. Um, You've learned to put your mask on. So if you start to have a feeling, a real feeling, a feeling that's going to be offensive to him, you learn to cut it off and pretend to be happy again. You learn to cut it off and go about your routine as if nothing happened. Um, And that's what that means. Let's see, 21. Sexually transmitted infections on the victim's person. How does this happen? What does that mean? It means that this person who is taking advantage of you is sleeping around with other people. (laughs) Stop being in denial if you're in denial. Um, If he's controlling you and you're stuck in the house and you're not going anywhere, then he's out in the streets doing whatever. And um, he's not being mindful of... I should protect myself in order to protect her. Uh, It just doesn't work that way. So you may find that you have a STD. And um, you may try and be in denial about where it came from. And he's the only person that you're with. It didn't just come out of nowhere. It didn't come off of a toilet seat. He gave it to you, sweetie. He's not respecting anything about you. So you have to learn to respect yourself. Number 22, overdose of medication or underdose of medication for the victim. So say you are on medicine, prescription medicine that you have to have. um, You have an assigned dosage um, level and your partner is hiding your medicine knowing it could be detrimental to your health um the person is because of the gaslighting we talked about earlier he's giving you multiple doses um in one day trying to make you sick because He gave it to you, gave you some water, and then an hour later came back and said, hey, here's your medicine. Like, he didn't give you any an hour ago. And you're questioning it internally, but you're not going to question him. You just are in a place where you're feeling out of whack. You're feeling crazy. You're questioning your own thoughts, and you just take it again. Number 23, malnutrition of the victim. Sometimes in an abusive relationship, your 
partner, this person. I hate using the word partner because a partner is a partner. A partner is like what you call your best friend. Like that's my partner in crime. An abuser is an abuser. So your abuser is telling you that you're fat and you don't need to eat for a few days. And he's going to get food, fast food, and eating in front of you and telling you that you can't have any because you need to lose weight. Or you're on punishment, so you're not going to have lunch, or you're not going to have dinner, or you're not going to have breakfast for a while um, because you need to be a better person and treat him better. It happens. 24 growing health issues of the victim now this is a telltale sign and I can look back on my situation and this was a huge thing so I remember like being so stressed out that my entire body locked up. You know how like you have a crick in your neck and you can't move it and it's very painful? Well, it started out as a crick in my neck that would not go away and then a few days later, my entire body locked up and I could not move. The doctor prescribed some super, super strong muscle relaxers, and it even took a few days of taking those before my body would move, before I could move my leg, um, bend my arm. It was crazy. Um, Constantly feeling sick, hair falling out, um just different random pains and body aches and all of those type of things along with malnutrition or being over medicated or under medicated all of those things will cause you health issues being stressed out period as a as as someone who's not in an abusive relationship having migraines Um, Being light sensitive, Um, it can affect your hormone level, all of these things. So if you're with somebody and you never feel good and you never feel healthy, something is wrong. 25, withdrawing behaviors by the victim. So... Yes, um, when this relationship starts out, a lot of times your abuser will slowly um, get you to turn on the people around you so that you're not going to want to spend time with other people in order to isolate you. But eventually you will start to isolate yourself and withdraw from people on your own. Because you need to keep the secret safe. You can't make friends. If you get comfortable with somebody, you may reveal your secrets or 
if you get comfortable with somebody, they may start to question your your bruises or your sickness or your weird and strange behavior or the fact that you never get out and do anything. So you just start to put yourself in prison. It's like someone putting you in a dark room and locking the door and they do this every day every night so that you can't leave and you're just stuck there and then after a while they stop locking the door but you keep sitting in that room every night They stop telling you it's time for you to go in the room. And at a specific time, the time that he usually instructs you to do it, you just walk in there yourself and shut the door. And you never question it. And you never say no. And you never fight back. And you never turn over in the middle of the night in this dark room and say hey you know what I came in here but I didn't lock the door behind me let me leave let me break free and instead you just sit there and stare at the door and that is what abuse feels like a dark damp room that at first you're being locked in and manipulated into going into or forced into And then you get so used to it that you just go along with it and you don't question it and you don't second guess it and you never say no. So that's a lot. And I hope that you are meditating on these things. I hope that if you have friends that this podcast would help that you would send it to them just send it to them and say hey listen to this until next time